When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. And finally, we are going to have a game. That's right. The season kicks off tomorrow night, October 17th. It is going to be a little bit earlier, probably a week to a week and a half earlier than normal. That paves the way for the Celtics to play a game overseas and also... A little fewer back-to-backs and more importantly, so that the team gets a chance to practice more during the season. And guess what? Now that Brown and Tatum are going to be named to the star or have been named to the starting lineup for game one, I think they're going to need some of that practice time over the course of the year, John. There's going to be a lot of practice time needed and, and Tatum and Brown are just the start of it, right? I mean, you've got, we've got Shimmy and we've got Yabu and, and even a guy like Rosier who, who probably needs to, to get readjusted. Marcus Smart with his new body. I mean, this is a, this is a brand new team. Only four of the, the 15 players that are on the roster, the active roster are, are, are returning players. So a lot of practice time needed, a lot of chemistry needing to be built, but, but let's also be, blunt about the fact that this Celtics team looks pretty good already. The games don't count in the exhibition season, but boy, at this point, you've got to feel good entering this season with all this change that they have seemingly in games that don't matter, but they seem to look really good in those times. Yeah, not only do the games not matter, but one of the opponents isn't really a solid team, and we didn't see Joel Embiid uh, very much either. So there's definitely the the Philadelphia 76ers can be sort of dismissed to a certain extent. But Charlotte, definitely a team that the Celtics have battled with. Are they at the top of the Eastern Conference? Certainly not. But I do think that there was a lot to be encouraged about, especially in that final game of the preseason. Team was really strong, playing well. And Jalen Brown's hitting that corner three. And I know people are still frustrated saying that he drives to the rim and still seems out of control. But there's a noticeable improvement there. And I think it'll continue to improve as the season goes on. A lot of these young guys, ordinarily, when they're drafted that high in the draft, and obviously Tatum and Brown both went number three in the last two drafts consecutively, these guys are usually out on the floor starting for their teams or playing heavy significant minutes. And it's going to happen uh, just based on the construct of this roster for these two where 
Last season, not so much. If it weren't for A.B. Bradley's injury, you wouldn't have seen Jalen Brown get those starters minutes and get as much time as he did. And that is kind of a good thing and a bad thing. They don't have as much uh, – they have a little bit more dur- durability over the long haul in their career, but they also don't necessarily learn as quick and reach their peak as quickly on their rookie contract, which is where all the value is. So um, I do think it's a good thing for this team, and those two players really fit in well. I, I think we're going to have to talk about Kyrie Irving's offense – I mean defense at some point here, but let's not let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Tatum's going to be in the starting lineup. That is somewhat of a shocker. I know we have an injury to Marcus Morris that's going to last a week. And then we also have Aaron Baines, who might be healthy enough to play, but it seems as though they're going to be cautious, and rightfully so. And here we are, yet another season, and the Celtics in the big man department are not, you know, really uh, not really healthy. (laughs) How many years have we gone through this, John? Honestly, it's like... On and on and on we go with this. And Baines, right now with a knee, we really don't know what the prognosis is. He says he's going to be ready for opening night. We'll see. Maybe. Hopefully. Um, you know, we've seen some things out of Yabu and, and, uh, Tice. Um, certainly I think is, is probably the most solid of all the bigs that are on the bench right now, but they're, they're left lacking and, Unfortunately, the injury bug has bitten them a little bit in their weak, in their thinnest position, but it's a long season. You know, I think the Celtics are not worried about having their best record ever in November. They're, they're much more focused on May, June, uh, than, than they have been in recent years. So I'm not too concerned about that. I think the main thing right now is just integrating players, integrating and trying to find a, some sort of cohesion between all these three players. I think we've already seen Kyrie has shown some of that. I think Horford, those two seem to have worked out well uh, with each other. Uh, and I think we'll probably, as we grow more into the season, probably not even right away, but Gordon Hayward will probably find his place. Um, he has at times, but I think that, I think that he's, we won't see the full Gordon Hayward until we're at least a month or two into the season. Maybe. I think one of the issues is the limited minutes in the preseason. So we don't really see the same rotations into the second unit. I just think most of the time what you've seen is Gordon, Kyrie, and Horford spending their minutes together and ironing that out. And I will say that offense is already fairly seamless. Where you're going to see Gordon Hayward begin to emerge is when someone like, say, uh, Kyrie Irving goes to the bench, and then he has to assert himself a little bit more offensively. Do I think they'll all improve as the season goes on? Absolutely. But offensively, I mean, I think it's hard to to really say that they're not ready to, to – go out there and put up a bunch of points. I think the defense is more where we'll have to see some improvements over the course of the year. And even in game one against the Cleveland Cavaliers, I know we'll preview that, but I'm definitely concerned with the depth, just the experience depth, because with Morris and potentially Baines, again, Baines might wind up suiting up. We don't really know yet. He's not going to start, but he might suit up. So there may be some time on the floor, but with the with the youth that are behind 
you know, uh, Brown and Tatum. We have a couple of good players, Smart and, and Terry Rozier, but in the big man department, it's getting a little thin pretty fast. And so that's, I think that's where the concern is for me, um, the beginning of the year. But defensively, they're going to have to take a little while. I'm concerned in game one. I, I don't think they're going to win game one, even though Isaiah's not going to be suiting up. I, I think they're going to struggle a little bit, but who knows? Maybe they're just offensively ready and they just explode all over the Cavs. They could, they could, they could, uh, you know, but I also would say their defense looked pretty good at times in the, in the preseason. I was actually impressed with how well I thought in some parts their defense was maybe a little bit ahead of their offense, quite frankly. Uh, I don't know if that will happen against a team like Cleveland, which was a completely supernova team last season, but we just took their second biggest score and put them on our team. And at this point, there is no capable replacement for that. Um, Certainly they will, they'll try to fill that hole with Dwayne Wade and, and Derek Rose. But I think we're all going to be looking at what LeBron does is, is really going to, what's going to drive uh, the action in Cleveland here in the early going. And they are deeper than they were last year. And, and that's going to be something to contend with, but I still not aside from Crowder, it's kind of interesting. They really continue to have a lot of players who excel at one end or the other, a lot of offensive talent, uh, but who can't defend like Corver, Derek Rose, um, you know, Wade. And then you have defensive players who really can't do much on the offensive line. Tristan Thompson, um, Shumper. Um, you know, they don't have a guy who can do a little bit on both ends. And the fact that they pulled him out of that group, maybe that helps to solidify their second unit, but it also kind of further, I think, drives a wedge in what was, I think, really Cleveland's downfall last year and that they didn't have enough guys who do too, a lot of things. They got one guy who does everything amazingly well, but they don't have a lot of guys who were uh, talented on both ends, who, who made their mark on both ends of the court. And you could take advantage of that. The Celtics did in the regular season. They just didn't have the horses to do it in the, in the postseason. Yeah, and they stockpiled all of these guards, I think, also to just insulate. Well, first off, it doesn't never hurts to have veteran talent on a team. But obviously, Derek Rose has struggled with the injury. Dwayne Wade has had some injury issues in his career. And then they also have Isaiah Thomas. So with the three of those players, you know, they have the Frankenstein point guard slash shooting guard, right? <laughs> it's really what it is, is all these different players piecing together. And uh, they'll probably be healthy enough over the course of the year. And I think it'll be similar to the lineup. They'll just piecemeal those offensive-oriented and defensive-oriented players together, try to find match, mix and match uh, that will work so that they get the best, you know, plus-minus out of each group that they that they possibly can, and it is the regular season. I think the bigger concern is, are they going to be able to rest LeBron like they wanted to last year? I mean, I know they're giving everybody a couple of extra weeks just by starting the season sooner, and that certainly helps, but I think also it's still going to come down to keeping LeBron healthy for the postseason, and he's still going to need some nights off. It'll be interesting to see how they manage that over the course of the year, and will they concede that number one seed to the Celtics again if the Celtics are hot? But don't think that the Celtics are the only ones. You know, the Raptors, here's the great, interestingly, the Raptors are the team that has really changed their roster the least. They've had the most cohesion over the last three to four years. Now, they didn't wind up finishing one or two last season. Obviously, I think it was third. But was it third, John? It was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was no, pretty, they were, no, they, they were fourth. They dropped to fourth. No, I was gonna, third. They no, were they third. Were third. 
They flirted they played, with played, fourth. Yes. And we played the, the, uh, the Wizards. Yeah. Wizards. They flirted with the Wizards back and forth. I know. They kind of got all shaken up, and I, I couldn't even remember. Wow. We're right. Shaking the rust off here as we get ready for this <laughs> season. The last season's already in the books. It's way to, over. Way to go research. Wake up. Oh. Anyway, I, I, I blame our research team. I know, honestly. <laughs> Tell the boys in the back to get on it. <laughs> All right, well, real quick before we move on, uh, follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media on the Facebook page. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace and the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report all year long post-game, baby. And that really, yes, we saw it in the preseason, but now it gets exciting because we are 100% moving into the regular season. So, you know, that's the thing. I think Toronto might actually shake things up a little bit. It just depends on how quickly this Celtics team gets out of the gate. And as we were kind of talking before, I do see what you're saying about the defense, and I did feel like Kyrie Irving was committed to playing defense. But once again, I'm just looking at the opponents. I'm keeping in mind what the preseason is like. Everybody works out the kinks. They experiment. And maybe the defense is actually less of an issue. A lot of times the reason the Celtics started out mediocre is the offense really wasn't kicking in at the beginning of the season. I don't think that's going to be an issue this year. I think they actually might get out to a fairly hot start and then experience a dip as other teams begin to lock down their defense and find their offensive ways. Because really Kyrie is so seamless running the show. I mean, it's really seamless. Oh, I know. And that's why it's like, I think it's even more shocking how well these guys have come together. And I think Kyrie is the biggest reason for it. He can just do whatever he can do. And it doesn't matter who he's all with sharing the floor with because he's such a dynamic scorer individually. It's just a question of how the other players kind of find their space around that. His ability to, to, to get to the rim and, and just do crazy, ridiculous things. Everyone else has to just find their space. And I think Tatum is driving to the lane. That's what's so impressive about him. I think Brown is also uh, figuring it out as well. I'm, I'm enthused with this, this starting lineup. Um, what's interesting to me about the defense too is it's like last, it's like the reverse of last year. Last year we entered in, oh, we added Horford. You know, they were a top five defense the year before. Oh, no question. We're going to be top three, maybe number one defense in the league. And what happens? They show up for the season and they can't play a lick of defense all year. Meanwhile, they're a top 10 offensive team from efficiency. <laughs> At least this year, they'll have an excuse for being a different team. <laughs> Very true. That's a good point. I mean, you know, you change everybody up. They should be better. But it's like you look at the people who showed up, who, who they brought in. It's all rookies and Kyrie Irving. I mean, if you were to write a prescription for that, it would say, oh, dear God, what are we going to do here? How are we going to stop a nose? We couldn't stop a nosebleed. But, you know, Brad Stevens – you know, you you put so much trust in him and faith in him that you just can't just walk away and say, oh, well, you know, <laughs> it, the coach can try, but these are the players he's left with. With Brad, anything truly is possible. 
Yeah, it really is. And he's just so good at getting the best out of players. Even Brown, you know, he put him in the right position. So I think really what happens this year, a lot of it lies on Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier. Uh, You know, the health of Morris and Baines, it'll work itself out. We'll have depth in the roster. But, you know, Smart's, it looks like they're not going to give him an extension. They've basically run out of time at this point. It looks like they're not going to give him an extension. So he's going to be playing for his contract. Now, it's kind of like the Kelly Olynyk scenario. He'll be a restricted free agent, so it's not like they can't match any offer. So this team is sort of willing to let players go and determine their own market value. And while I can accept that, I also agree with the way that we were looking at this last week, which was, hey, it would be nice to have a decent-sized contract already on the books in case they want to make a play for somebody who becomes available. And maybe they've got other plans or they've already done the math and they know who they can move out to to make all that work. I'm not really sure, but I, I do feel like they'll still need a contract uh, to not lose Kyrie or or uh Horford and and you know that might be that might be where the money comes from John honestly if they make a right. move and then maybe they would only have to give up one of Brown and Tatum if they were moving Horford in some sort of blockbuster move but we'll just you know nobody needs to talk about trades kicking the season off for sure uh but it's something to kind of keep in the back of your mind i think as far as this team if it stays as constituted like, let's just throw out a win prediction total again. And we do this every year. And I overestimated by a couple of wins last season. But still, I think I was in the... Only one. Only one. You were only off by one, I think. What? I think you I said... four. I, fi- I was 55. 55. Oh, okay. I was All aggressive. Right. I was you aggressive. You were. Well, that's okay. It's good to be aggressive. I think I had 50. I think I, I, think I hit it. But that's okay. You did. You I, did hit it, dude. Oh, there we go. There we go. Right (laughs) on the mark, throwing darts (sighs) at the bullseye. Well, I, but I think talking about the, what are we going to do this coming year? Um, I'm in that kind of 55, 56 range right now. The over-unders, a lot of people put the over-unders for the Celtics around 49. I'm just not, I don't believe in this Eastern Conference. Too much talent. There's no way they can win, lose less than they had, or win less than they did last year. There's no way. I don't, I don't see it unless something really does go wrong, a major injury or something of the like. So what I'm thinking is they're going to be in the 55, 56 range. I'm going to go 56. I'm going to, I'm going to go aggressive. I'm saying 56 wins and, um, you know, uh, we won't talk. Let's not. Let's pause on the playoff situation, but let's just talk. Fifty-six wins. What are you thinking? Yeah, I was gonna go with fifty-five again. Oh, for crying! I was gonna <laughs> say that. It's so funny. You said fifty-five, fifty-six, and I know we didn't talk about this ahead of time. So yeah. I was hoping yeah. that you would go all the high side and say fifty-six because. <laughs> I legitimately was just going to say, I do think that the team has improved. I, I just don't think you can put this much talent on a team. Yeah. And I know there was a lot of talent on last year's team, but it, it wasn't as top-heavy talent. It was depth. And and sometimes the depth is great if you have an injury like they suffered with Avery, Avery Bradley and really didn't skip a beat during his time off, right? The the win, better. actually, I think they got better, right? They were better. So, so if they were better without Avery Bradley during that stretch – 
And the change was that Jalen Brown went into the starting lineup. And now Jalen Brown's put on some muscle. He's had an offseason to prepare. He's gotten stronger as a player. And, again, I'm not saying leaps and bounds, but more experience, more comfortable, the game slowing down, all those cliches. And if they got better, but now you're also – I mean, come on. Hayward is clearly an upgrade over Crowder. I, I mean, as a complete player, he's an upgrade over Crowder. So we got better there. And if you want to play the Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas game, we'll we'll call it a wash. We'll call it a wash and say we got three years younger. So I just think there's more top-heavy talent. Plus, I think they're – I think the team is constituted is in a better position to take advantage of Horford's talents too. I just think because they can shoot from outside now, and I know they improved in that regard last year, but they could still the the other opposing opposing teams could still throw a ton at Isaiah Thomas. And they're just not able to do that this year. Look at that last game against the Hornets. Look at the way they rained threes. I know Horford had one air ball, but outside of that uh, not Horford. Hayward had one air ball. Outside of that, Horford didn't miss. He was stroking it, just hitting the back of the rim, drops right down. Those three guys, your top three guys, can all shoot high percentages from beyond the arc. And I just think that's a game changer. You just didn't have that, you know, consistency last season with the three ball. And the year before was atrocious. Yeah. I I think that in a normal year, um, I would probably put in them in the 53, 52 win range just because of the fact that outside of those three, you're relying upon players who have not really made themselves consistent NBA players at all. I mean, Marcus Morris, okay. Aaron Baines, okay. But that's not enough. But the way that the East has just cratered this year, I mean, you, how how much are you going to get a, any pushback from New York? Let's say, um, you know, Porzingis is fine, but they that's a bad defensive team. Indiana, uh, what is there other than Miles Turner? Nothing. It's it, the cupboard is bare apart from Miles Turner. Um, Orlando, are anyone concerned about Orlando? <laughs> you know, the Chicago. I mean, that's four teams, four of the thirteen teams that are four of the fifteen tournament teams in the East. And I haven't even started with the Nets. Yeah, the Eastern Conference Philly, has gotten even more bottom. Atlanta. They've gotten I more mean, more bottom heavy. There's you no doubt. seven teams that are trash in the East. So. And, you know, at least with, I think Brooklyn will be peppy, spicy, interesting to watch, but there's not much, there's just not much there. And so if you're playing, you know, two thirds of your games against, uh, teams that are, that are in the Eastern Conference and half of them are garbage, it's going to help your win total. And so I could see the Celtics being 56 wins. I could see, you know, if Cleveland really went for it in a 60-63 win game, uh, I don't think they will. I think they're going to kind of fall back a little bit just because they're going to want the rest for LeBron. So much more is going to be on his shoulders. Um, I, I just I, – that's kind of where I see the East right now is it's, it's, it's going to be top-heavy. Like the Celtics roster, it's top-heavy. It is top heavy, but it's actually really bottom heavy. I mean, the bottom, what I mean is they're so bad at the bottom. Oh, oh, it's just yanking the whole conference down, right? I mean, it's just heavy at the bottom. It's so, it is bad. You're right. So 
I see how you're, I still think this team is a 55 win team, even in a regular season. It, as bad as all those teams are, they still have enough talent. And this is why you can kind of set the mark. They have enough talent on this club to beat the middling teams. Like, even if those teams were the same as last year, there's enough talent on the Celtics roster, provided they stay healthy, which is always the big asterisk at this time of year when we make predictions. But assuming they stay healthy, I really don't see where they run into a lot of trouble, even those middling teams. I mean, maybe they steal one or two here and there, but they're also poised with that with the Celtics, I mean, with having so much talent, at not losing to the Raptors the way they do. You know, I mean, they just really struggled. And so, and, and, and also, I mean, do you think that, that this team could steal the games against Golden State again? I know they don't have Avery Bradley, and I know he's a big key to uh, shutting down Steph Curry somewhat and making that a winnable game for the Celtics, but I still think it's a winnable game for the Celtics. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're good. they're competitive, and but it's a different it's a different reason for different reasons are that they're that they're competitive with with uh, Golden State, and it's because they can switch and they can shoot and they can and they can drive and they've got they're a much more offensively flexible team and defensively they're a much more flexible team. I think that's why they're a more a bigger challenge to Golden State, um, but. It's different. It's, as you said, it's a different, it's, it's like, you know, they're, they're good with, it's the same team, but they, for very different reasons, you know, and I think that's why they'd be competitive with those guys in Gold State. I think apart from that though, to your earlier point, the concern I have though is the bench and the, the bench is that, that the amount of rookies. Now, when you, by the time it gets to the playoffs, you're not a rookie anymore, right? So, that's gonna, that's gonna find its level, but you're gonna have to get consistent, reliable contributions from Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart, and Marcus Morris on a, on a nightly basis, Aaron Baines. Those that, four guys are gonna deep. have to be there. You just that went, is nine. I you know. just went nine deep, and that's, I'm not so worried about it again, as long as they but stay count, healthy. The only I'm rookie. A second year player and a rookie in that nine. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I hear you. The top, the top of the there, draft. Top but two of the draft. guys. Yeah, but look at what the top of the draft is doing in Philly. It, yeah, but they don't have it, any veterans. I mean, that J.J. Redick move might be the reason that Amir. they actually improve. They right? got a mirror. Yeah, they got a mirror. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean I hear veterans you. that can contribute. I, here's, listen, we have to take a quick break, but before we do, I just want to finish this, this thought here. But I don't, I'm not looking, I understand you look at Semi and you look at, you know, Tice and you look, I mean, and Tice isn't really a rookie, right? I mean, he's been around quite a while, just played overseas, but you look at Tice, you look at Ojale, you look at Yabu, but most of the time, those aren't the players that are getting minutes. You just laid out the top nine, and I think that's what Brad is gonna roll with, and I think Smart, Again, fourth year contract year. Rozier's had big moments, rebounds like an absolute monster for his position and does not shy away from taking the shot or making a play. And do I think he's a point guard? No, I still think he's 100% an off guard, but he does contribute in many different ways. Those two players, yes, they're young, but then you're talking about Morris, who 
already we've seen statistically he's one of the best in the league to guard LeBron. So we do have some defensive ability. Baines plays defense, but he gives you a little bit more spacing because he can shoot the mid-range where Amir Johnson, you know, really couldn't do those things. I think their nine deep is, is just fine. And remember, they had a lot of young guys contributing last year. I mean, really, if you're going to just set that bar and make the comparison, Avery Bradley went down and, and Jalen Brown was in the starting lineup. Like, it's not like they haven't had this before. These young players have contributed in depth. Kelly Olynyk just came off his rookie contract, was a major factor in that Wizards series. Kelly Olynyk was in his fourth year. Jalen Brown was in February. I mean, Terry Rozier was a non-factor until the playoffs. I'm not saying that, that they can't do it, but to rely on it and expect it is is expecting quite a bit. And but they I, and did I just, rely on these players last year. That's what I'm telling you. These, like, especially no, no, Marcus four Smart. Guys, Marcus Smart. Four guys are back. That's, I mean, and Horford is one. Smart is another. And I, and I think Smart is probably a different category. But Terry Rozier, again, not these, more not, the playoffs no, John, you're missing else. the point. Not these specific guys. But younger well, guys on young contracts, they have leaned on these players. You, you can't compare Kelly Olynyk and Shemi Ojale because they're in no. completely different positions. Where Kelly Olynyk in his first year, we well, couldn't expect what Kelly did the fourth year to what Shimmy is doing now. I mean, there's there's very different experiences from year one to year four, and I think that yes, the Celtics team was um, buoyed by by you younger. You could talents, compare Rozier and Olynyk. You could. I know it's one but, year's difference between last year and this year in terms of Kelly being in four well, and Terry being in three, but Terry's gotten some run in the postseason and, as you said, came up big yeah. in the playoffs, had some big moments, had a good offseason, you know, and at least he's aggressive. Like, think about it. Kelly was never really aggressive. Terry at least would go will go out and attack. And, I think Olympic – well – I'd say Olenek showed more in one year, his rookie year, during the regular season than Terry Rozier has in two regular seasons at this point. It's not that he's not capable of it, but he hasn't shown he's, he's able to do it consistently on a, on a third, on a Wednesday night in, in That's you know, Milwaukee. Fine. That's the concern. Yeah, that's I, the concern. The concern is there. I'm just telling you that the depth on this team has always been a lot of rookie contract youth depth, and they have more top tier talent to support those players. Absolutely, and that's yep. why that's why I'm holding the line at 55. Not because the Eastern Conference got worse, but because the depth of this team doesn't look really all that much different to me this year than it has in years past. It is a slight. Not as, you know, not deep to 12, maybe, with young players. But maybe it is. We'll find out. But I know there's a solid top nine. And Brad likes to stay with nine, no more than ten in his rotation. And so when you factor that in and you look at the guys that are playing on this team that are already really strong, that there's better players. You you take the top three players on last year's team and compare them to the top three players on this team, and it's not comparable. Yeah, you it's night day, but that's a regular day. season. But that's a, that's the difference between the regular season and the postseason. You need the top three in the postseason and the regular season. It's it's that's why the one to nine, one to ten is different. And also, you and I disagree in terms of how how deep that's going to go. Because I think that's, I think that that bench that he's going to use a lot more of that bench. I think in the first two months than that. I think you think that you think he's going to stick to the nine. I think he's going to go ten, eleven. 
maybe all the way. To no, he'll play nice. around it. He'll play around and yeah. tweak, but he's going to figure out who's in that top nine, no more than ten by January. I mean, that's you're right. He plays around, he tweaks, and we've got two injuries, yeah. so we always yeah. go deep with all the, the injuries and all that stuff yep. kind of plays out. But for the most part, I'd say by January, if healthy, he'll have his top nine, maybe ten guys that he's going to roll with. Matches matchups will dictate. Real quick, gonna just tell you, fantasy football fans, the wait is, we say the wait is over, but the wait is well over. Football is fully blown back, which means FanDuel is back with fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests beginning every single week, no busted seasons, and with something for everyone and lots of contests to choose from. Starting at just $1, you simply pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. And I think, John, I might finally have won at least my money back this week. I was getting killed, but I made a couple of good picks and... Uh, I think I think I'm finally going to be in the leaderboard, at least in the top 50 of our full 250 uh, team league. That every week after week, dude, our league fills up. It's awesome. But over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com. Click the Join Now button. Use our code CS. L17. Try FanDuel for free. No deposits required. You just visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using promo code CSL17. It's that easy. FanDuel.com. Promo code CSL17. Void where prohibited. Okay, John. So you and I got into it a little bit there before the break. I'm not sure we see completely eye to eye. I want to go back to something that you said in the first part of the show a little bit early on talking about just the defensive abilities of this team that you actually thought they performed up a little bit. And I'm not sure that necessarily they performed up as much as this positionless sort of starting lineup that we're going to see in game one and, and conceivably a lot through the year with Brown and Tatum and Hayward and Horford and Kyrie. I mean, they really can all switch onto just about anybody. So, you know, I'm just thinking of like all these kinds of different matchups and whatnot, and specifically, maybe even we'll see in game one, but obviously Cleveland's going to play the Celtics four times this year. You mentioned their sort of limited nature where they have players who aren't necessarily good at both ends of the floor and maybe they're a little bit more stuck into their positions and they don't move around. What about a guy like Jay Crowder that we'll see on Tuesday night who's most likely going to be playing the four for Cleveland? In that case, you know, how do you think the Celtics handle or take advantage of their positionless team? and attack somebody like Crowder to keep him out, and even LeBron, because they really can't, they don't have to worry. They just switch and switch and switch and switch. And so finding a mismatch against this team is going to be more difficult. Will, will there still be mismatches? Yeah, there will, because some of these guys aren't necessarily, like in an ISO, I can see it. Hey, you know what? LeBron goes into ISO, and, and he just takes Brown, right? You're, we're still going to have scenarios where they get beat. But in a, any kind of motion offense where things are moving around, you really don't have a soft spot to attack the team except this guy is a little bit worse defender than this guy over here. But they all have the length to move around. You know, it's so hard when we talk about Cleveland, too, because, like, the freak of nature that is LeBron James, it's like, how can he, <laughs> anybody matching up with LeBron James is like, 
you know, seems unfair. You get the monsters involved, you know, and then maybe, okay, we got something we can talk about, but you know, with LeBron, it, it's very difficult to say, okay, well you get the right matchup, but as much as we can, let's try to pull them out of it. You're absolutely right though. Like, the ability, and we see this against teams that even have much more length. Like, I actually, th- I think Charlotte and and uh, Philly were actually great. Uh, two teams that were great to to match up with because they both have a lot of length, much more than the Celtics do. And the Celtics, even then, you could see that the added length they've added from last year to this year made such a difference. They were able to contest things that Dario Saric is putting together and, and Okafor. And when you get the wrong matchup, at least you know you have a six eight guy who's going to be guarding uh, a guy like Okafor or, or you know, a player of that uh, caliber, uh, Rashawn Holmes. You know, it's a six eight guy that's going to get switched up on him. It's not going to be... Six two Avery Bradley, this just doesn't have a chance, you know. And that's and that's kind of the the differential. And it was really interesting. I was listening to the Celtics Talk podcast from CSN. Actually, it's not CSN; it's NBC Sports Boston, something like that. Uh, anyway, the, Cal Draper and, and NBCSN, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> change it. Bring me back Sports Channel. Is what I'm looking for. Um, so anyway, they, they were talking and. Sherrod was talking about how he was talking, how he had was relating to a story he had heard from some scouts that were saying Danny figured it out, and and what they were trying to kind of say there is that the the hidden secret of Tatum was that he could really could defend his length was was really sneaky. Now he has some sneaky length, and he's such a smooth athlete, not freak athlete, but just smooth athlete that in the right system, <clears throat> Brad Stevens they would be able to unlock him and, and make him not just a, a decent defender, a really good defender. And I think we've, I think that was what Sherrod was saying is we're already starting to see the signs of that. And that's what we're, you know, kind of to your point though, Justin, is that's absolutely the case. Like, is, is he going to be able to do everything right? Opening night? No, but he's going to have the tools and you've seen some of the blocks and his ability to alter shots as people get near the rim, get rebounds, kind of help on the defensive board. I was actually thinking the steals. Are a big issue. The steals, because when that length, like you said, he's a smooth athlete, and I don't think people quite expect him at 6'8", he's maybe 6'9", but, you know, at that length, they don't necessarily believe that he can get his hands in there, and he's a great ball handler. So when he does go after the steal, it's not only is he deceptively quick, but he's also deceptively long, and immediately... He get, he corrals the steel and gets heading up the floor. And I think a lot of times when, you know, without gambling, I guess is the best point to make. There's a lot of times you see players do that, but they're gambling. And so then all of a sudden they open up maybe their left side and the player, if they retain the ball, when the player gambles on the steel, they just blow right by the defender. But I feel like he can stay sort of on balance, you know, on his toes and still make a play for that, knock it loose. And then with the ball handling, he can get up the floor. But yes, you're right. He can alter some shots and there's some things, but I also think because he's so good with the ball in his hands, the couple of steals that we saw, especially in that last game against Charlotte, there's one that really sticks out in my mind where he just knocked the ball away and started heading down the floor. And I don't think he finished the play. I don't think he was able to finish it. And uh, it wound up coming the other way and they wound up getting an, an easy bucket. But still, the point being, you know, you have somebody like Jalen Brown who's a freak athlete who does all of these things, but he's not necessarily as smooth as Tatum. But then Tatum has this freak length, 
and becomes deceptively quick because he's such a smooth athlete. So they all have different things. That's what makes Brad Stevens so great is he'll put them in the right position and teach them, and that may be the other part where we're really hoping for extra practices this year. He'll be able to teach them how to use it properly. Absolutely, and that's, I think, you know, the sponge that is Jason Tatum. I mean, that we're going to see that night after night after night. He's going to get more playing time, I think, because I think there's – than we saw from, say, Jalen Brown a year ago, simply because of the different skills that he brings. Um, even if he slides down the depth chart a little bit, I was thinking that, well, there might be nights he's not in it, and, and a guy like Shimmy gets more time, or uh, you may see, uh, you know, Yabaselli, or, you, you know, who knows. After watching exhibition, and of course, it's kind of like what I saw last, so you always hesitate to kind of attach too much to that. But man, there's just so many skills that he brings. It just seems, seems difficult for me that he would ever fall completely out of the rotation as we saw for, at times, um, in part to, to Jalen Brown. Could I see him falling out of the starting lineup? Absolutely. I mean, whether it's Baines. Morris. Uh, I think Tamoris. it's Morris. Either one. I, I, I still think Baines, there's some nights they may throw him out there, but you're right. I mean, and what's, what's that really saying? Morris is a guy who is a veteran who can hit threes and switch and do all the things Tatum can do, but with certainly without the upside and the, the real athletic, um, or uh, fundamentally strong offensive skill that Jason Tatum can provide. He doesn't have that, but he's solid. And they're going to rely on that at some point. He'll, he's going to get his starts, but Tatum is the one that I'm just I'm floored by every night, every time I watch him. I think it actually would make a lot of sense to leave this starting lineup alone, just the way that it is. To be honest with you, because of what you said before about the depth on that second unit, having some veterans like Baines, like Morris, to go out there with Terry and Marcus could go a long way for this club and and really stay the course because what are they going to do in the starting lineup with Kyrie, Horford, and Hayward anyway, right? We might actually underutilize them to a degree. Maybe not Baines as much, (laughs) but we could. I could see them underutilizing Morris in that lineup. Like he may fit better with, with Marcus Smart. Having Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris on that, on that leading kind of, you know, a defense on that second unit. Terry gives them a left offensively. Morris still, you know, obviously is a good offensive player and can, and can knock down. I think he's still more of a mid-range guy too. And that might be where you run into trouble having him and Baines out there at the same time. But, but either way, I just think having a little bit of experience on that second unit would definitely help. And again, it's not like you're just swapping out five for a new five. You're obviously rotating, you know, players. So, so it might be the kind of thing where, you know, you leave the starting lineup the way we're going to see it. The first substitution is to pull out Tatum and slot in Morris. And then that begins the transition towards the second unit. Marcus Smart comes in shortly after that. And then they start doing their thing where the end of the first quarter and then beginning of the second quarter happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which they've done a lot with, with Hayward and Kyrie. And, and I think they're going to try to keep one of those two on the floor at all times is really the, the primary either scorer or distributor. Um, which to me in some part kind of makes me un- uncomfortable because I like the more opportunities they give to Marcus Smart in that role. I think he flourishes and seems to, to take off with it. But 
It never hurts to have more people who can put the ball in their hands and create plays for others. So it's not a, it's, it's a minor uh, issue. Uh, but I think that that's something that will be interesting is, uh, as you said, the timing of who do you pull off first? Who gets, you know, who gets maybe that first run to kind of let the second unit run under their control? And then who's filling in their spot with, you know, the, in large part, the first unit as, as they kind of get their rest before they come back in. I'm interested to see how they do that. As you said, maybe it's, uh, it's Hayward who kind of gets that first run. We saw that in the game against, uh, the first game, I should say, against Charlotte, where he just, there was a second quarter where he just was, he went supernova there for about two minutes. Maybe he gets the first shot at that. Either way, look, they're way better than where they were a year ago, where IT comes off the floor and we were just saying, Oh dear God, how much longer can we, can we last without him on the court? Cause nobody else could score. Those days are long gone here. You just remade my point from when we were arguing about the bet, the bench depth and the age, what you just said, right? That drop off. It's like giving it, giving the handoff to a running back and there's no holes, right? And they just keep getting pounded every single time when they meet the line. That's what it was like for the second unit. The last several years, and just for the reason that you said, Isaiah comes off the floor and it's trouble and he has to play high minutes and the next thing you know, he's struggling with an injury, right? And he fights as long as he can in the postseason. That's the other thing. Even if you, even though we were only talking about the regular season, if you want to go to the postseason, the way that this team is built and what you just said, having Hayward or Irving out there at any time, but having a score, having somebody who can get it done, means that they'll get a little bit more rest. One player won't have to do it all, and they'll be more ready for the postseason. So I think I think there's a lot of things about the way this team is constructed. They're more versatile. They're just as deep is really my argument. They're no worse. They're just as deep. But more versatile, just as deep, and wait, there's more scores on the club. They can generate offense more easily. I, yeah. Do you I remember a... the second quarter? Remember, they'd have a 20 point lead. And then by the time the starters would come back in fully with four minutes left in the second quarter, gone, gone. It's eroded. It's yeah, toast. I, I, yeah, I just, I guess I see a difference between having one guy who can score and two guys who can score, or actually more really, if you count Tatum and that compared to what we have now, which is, uh, or compared to what we had then, which is one guy who could score and a whole bunch of guys who might be able to date, to do something on a secondary action or with, you know, some movement or some back cuts and people who needed actually, you know, who needed, who needed something to get their shot or to create offense. Offense happens now. It just occurs. Um, last year it was through force and through um, the magnetism of IT that opened things up for everyone else. I think it's it's not apples and oranges, but I, I think that the issue of the bench on both sides, it's not just offensive, it's really probably more on the defensive end. I'm more concerned with the back end. But I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Why? 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 Yeah, I think the defense on that second unit is just as good, if not better, than last year. It depends on who's starting. And how how it all plays out, but I'm no. Just think about it: Baines, Morris, Smart, Terry, and then whoever's rounding that out from the starting five. 
well, that's but, not a horrible defensive unit at all. And there's, you know, if they're leaving maybe like Hayward in there as, as the guy who's going to generate the offense, you got a guy who is a two-way player, right? How, how, and that's the one that makes the most sense. He plays the three, Morris plays the four, and uh, Baines plays traditional five. You've got a guy who can play defense, who can score, and in many ways Hayward ends up anchoring that second unit for a good a good stretch. You've got two guys there who I can count on for defense. I think I think Morris and Baines absolutely smart uh, is is going to count be tremendous. on him for defense. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Yeah, what I'm yeah. saying, no, what I'm saying is you can count on those guys. Smart is special. Smart is smart is unbelievable. But you've still got two other spots out there now. Maybe it's if you're under your construct of saying it's nine guys, then yes, one of the stars is coming back. So. Okay. So you count um, on Hayward. That's why I'm slotting him in there. Hayward. Yeah, but you can count on. And, and you don't want to count on Terry, but you got to remember we're talking about the second unit. We're talking about that stretch of time when the offensive drought was so miserable because Isaiah had to check out of the game because we were going to need him in the fourth quarter, right? So he'd come out. They'd light the world on fire. He'd go to the bench. Their 20 point lead would be gone faster than you could eat a Snickers. And he'd have to go do it all again in the fourth quarter and pull out some amazing feet, which would be awesome. What I'm saying is that second unit was so paltry last year. Like defensively, they were adequate, but offensively, they were inadequate to a monstrous degree. And I just think that this, this year, the defense, the way I just posited it and, and Hayward's like, you know, that gives you three or four guys on that second unit out there that can definitely do some things against other teams' second unit, not their starters, and not have to worry about whether or not they can get some points up on the board. Yeah. Well, We're not going to see the droughts this year, dude. We're not. I, I'm not, but I'm not, I'm not even talking about the droughts. I'm just talking about, I'm not looking at even as, as the flow of how we think the season or how the rotation will go. I'm just talking as individual players, maybe. Maybe that's probably the better way for me to, to phrase that. No, I know I, what, I what you you're mean. saying. Yeah, no, I, I get your, we're, you're individual who's our players. Guy? Who cares? Jimmy, Yabaselli, Tice. It, no, it matters though. Those guys, no. for the first two months, those guys are going to play 40 games. Those guys are going to play and they're going to play a lot. And, and we're, you know, what's a lot? Maybe ten yeah, minutes we'll a night for one or two of them for a stretch because of the injuries. You just talked about how you you can lose a game in those in those spells. I mean, I think those I think it matters. I think it matters that those guys get in there. The issue I, was look, that they couldn't generate offense. The issue wasn't defense, and I don't that, think the defense under last year's construct. I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about this year. This year, this team. We don't, have, comparing, we don't have Crowder. I'm comparing have, this year's team to last year's team, and I'm saying that defensively I don't think that there's a big drop-off with the second unit, and there's a significant improvement in offense. Because the, but you're, by saying the second unit is, is the second unit, there isn't a drop-off, is because you're taking a player from the first unit and counting that twice effectively. Because, so I mean, because I'm, we I'm can. Crazy. 
No, because well, we can. You're now thinking under last year's construct because the only player you could take off that first unit last year and stick them in with the well, second unit and generate right. offense was Isaiah Thomas. And what I'm right. saying is we now can take two. a guy. Now we have two, and you can pull – but two is a big difference, just like you said. I know, but the whole strategy is to have one of the two of them out on the roster. floor. I know, but it's a 15-man roster. But they don't play 15 I, I understand that. But, but what I'm saying is you're looking at a roster. Look at Cleveland right now. They've got – you just talked about how you always like to have veterans out there. Well, where are the veterans on this roster? You, other than Baines and Morris, who are you looking at? Smart. I guess smart is your next guy still on his rookie. And then deal. I threw Hayward in That's there good. as the steady. Well, I know force. to so count him now, twice. That's what I'm I, saying. I am if, counting I him twice because I am looking at this roster. He's going to be out there with them. You're I understand. Going, right. So that's all I'm saying. They're not yeah. going to go through the offensive droughts. And I'm saying you're going to, you are going to have a veteran presence and it ties into why I'm saying Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum should probably stay in the starting lineup. Because they can do yeah. more limited, focused things. You know, definitely Tatum can generate offense. So if everybody's figured out how to scheme on Hayward and Irving and Horford's having an off night, they can still go to Tatum to generate some offense in that unit so that they don't get murdered. And the two young guys, again, can focus on doing very specific things in their role. That gives us the veteran bench that you're asking for because Baines and Morris and Smarter there. And because we have two veteran players that can be staggered, especially through the first three quarters, you can throw Hayward into that mix. And and, and I'm not saying he's going to play exclusively with the second unit, but either right. like the, the second unit will start to phase in Maybe Hayward will go out early and Kyrie will stay in and they'll phase in the second unit and then they'll, and it could go the other way, but I'm just saying they could phase in the second unit and then bring in smart, you know, for Brown and be out there with Kyrie. And then when Kyrie comes out, Irving comes in and that's effectively your full second unit that plays that stretch of time that last year they could not buy a bucket and because that was a good solid four to six minutes the opposing team didn't even have to play good defense they could focus on offense because they would not make open shots they would literally shoot open shots not be able to make them and so they didn't have to play defense they could literally sag off and they put all their energy on offense and the opposing second unit would just eradicate substantial leads and i just don't see that happening this year I don't think it will happen this year. I, I agree with that. I also don't know how much how much you can trust guys in their first or second year to be to go far and to win night after night and to be you know um, be players that you can rely upon night after night. I mean, there's, the team I think got better issue. last year with Avery Bradley out and Jalen Brown in. So I know what you're saying, how much you can rely on them, but it's under what context. In what role? Yeah, right. And and I and and he's shown that he can do that on for a twenty game stretch. And then after that, where did Jalen Brown go? You know, he wasn't able to to transition into a different role as things changed and shifted. And and the and the you see an eighty two game schedule. It's a marathon. There's peaks and valleys, and those guys have to be able to navigate through. I that. think the That's issue. Why I'm saying I don't think Tatum sitting Tatum. 
Uh, if he doesn't make it through as the starter for 82 games, I don't think that's an issue. I don't think it means that he can't play, but I think you have to allow for the fact a guy who's 19 years old is going to have some, some, is going to hit the wall at some point. He's going to stop being effective. He's going to make mistakes and the Celtics need to give him the room to fail and then get back in the starting lineup. I don't think that that's uh, a problem. I think he just needs, I to, don't needs to have that and ability I, to grow and, and Tatum, that situation. Right. So what you just described about Brown, I, I would say Tatum's a very different player because he's so much mm-hmm. more offensively gifted. And so when you talk about taking Tatum out of that starting lineup and maybe you put Morris in there because he's making too many defensive mistakes and it's just run and gun and they need to get the principles down, so what? Then he goes on the second unit and has an right. even easier time scoring and we still don't go through the scoring route. That's fine. But I'm going to go back to Brown. You said what happened when he came out of that starting lineup. And then, well, I'll tell you what happened. He went into the bench unit, a bench unit that couldn't score. And he was not offensively polished enough yet to be the go-to guy offensively in that second unit. Tatum could be. Tatum could flip and flop out. But when we talk about putting players in specific roles, Brown's role was so perfect in that starting lineup with Avery Bradley out. Because they told him, focus on defense. Learn how to play defense in the NBA, and he did a very solid job, and the team did not drop off defensively in Avery Bradley's absence whatsoever. And they said, get used to hitting the corner three, or at least shooting it. And did he hit it? No. And did he sometimes take it to the rack and not be able to finish it and make some boneheaded plays? Sure he did. But at the end of the day, it still didn't hurt him. They were a better team with him in that starting lineup, and that's why I say specific role. So his role is different than Tatum's. And I do think that Tatum could rotate in and out of that starting lineup with Morris as they need to do it, or Baines. And I don't think it would be really detrimental for him. I think it would be detrimental to pull Jalen Brown out of that starting lineup because I think he would get lost in the second unit again. I think really having him and his role be, listen, you're most valuable because your athleticism and size allows you to rotate on any single player out here. That's a strength in the offensive unit because we're not asking you to do anything but shoot and hit that corner three, and every once in a while, if we can get out on the break, be ready for the oop, and don't make the mistake. You know what I mean? And every once in a while, if you find yourself out on one side and it's really light and it's the weak side and you know you've got a guy that you can get a step on and you can just go baseline and throw it down, do that. But they want to keep his role very, very simplified, I think. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with him, you know, being that guy who's the, the kickout scorer and driving closeouts. I don't see any issue with that. I think the, the problem is 19. And I think you look at the history of 19 year olds, even, even look at Jalen Brown last year as a guy who is the third pick and is, is playing a, a even a prominent role, even when he was not the starter uh, on that Celtics team last year. It's an uncommon scenario and it's, and it's something that there isn't a lot of, there's no rule book, there's no manual for how to do that. Uh, I think he performed well through that situation. It's but defense. Had, That's the but formula. He had, yeah, but he, but he had peaks and valleys is what, I guess what I'm saying. And sure. And any 19 year old should have peaks and valleys. And I think that Jason Tatum should be expected to go through that as well, regardless of what his role is. He's going to miss shots. He's going to try to, Force things into the into the uh, the mid range. He's going to try to get back to the stuff that we saw him do in, in summer league, which may 
not work as well at this point because he's not polished enough. That's it's okay. All I'm saying is I think that he and these younger players, we can't expect them to perform at the same consistent level. I think we're going to see it at guys like Baines and Morris. And I think that that is at some point that's going to be a problem for the Celtics. It also gives them a higher upside perhaps because if that does click and it is clicking on higher cylinders, there's no question the Celtics have the ability to reach a much higher level than that 56 wins would would indicate that uh, I'm saying. And what you're describing is really more about who starts and who finishes the game. And that's really really what I, I can see Tatum and Brown staying in the starting lineup. But they're not going to be in the lineup to close every no. game. You know, right. you, you'll definitely, you could see a little Marcus Smart out there and Marcus Morris or Baines. Those three guys are the most likely and probably not Baines, you know, the matchup, but probably more likely to be Morris and Horford at the four or five. And then, you know, I could see Kyrie, Smart and Hayward. I would, I'll tell you this. I think we're more likely to see Hayward playing the four than we realize. I, we've talked about this summer. He that, that dude is cut. He's six eight. I would not be at all shocked to see Brown, Hayward, uh, Smart, and, and Kyrie finishing out games. I think, I think we, I think I underrated how big he is and how much I think he'll play as a, as a four, perhaps as we close out, maybe even against Cleveland. He does have a lot of lower body weight. I didn't really notice that out in Utah, but. As far as like putting the back to the, to the basket and mm-hmm. trying to box somebody out, um, he has a lot more, uh, ability to do that than I realized. Just strength and yeah. size. Um, I thought he was a little bit more of a rail, you know, in mm-hmm. general, like cut, but a rail and he's not. Yeah. He actually mm-hmm. carries a lot of weight below the waist down in his thighs and his legs. And I can just see that being a way for him, like you said, to just, you know, play that for, Push people off the box. I, I, I didn't. I did not think that at all. But watching those four preseason games, I think I. I think I see that possibility. Um, at the same time, I still don't think it's their preference. No, I agree. I agree. I think they'd rather have somebody who's a little bit more. Give him more time to create on the perimeter than trying to bang and rebound down low for sure. But out yeah. there with Tatum or Morris, it again. It doesn't matter because they're That's not right. switching. So again, it's that flexibility. So you say we'll see him play the four and I just say we'll just see him out there with other guys that can play multiple positions yeah. and, and everything still finds a way to work. So yep. it's going to be exciting. I'm really ready for game one. I'm ready for maybe the first month to month and a half stretch of the season not being a 500. I, you know, I want, I want to see us play at about 600, you know, ball. Through the first month, month and a half, that would be encouraging. I know other teams are going to figure out how to game plan, but yeah. But even more so, they're just exciting. I I like offense, yeah. dude, and that's the way the league is going. Yeah. They might be the most West Coast team in the Eastern Conference, and and that part will be an absolute ton of fun. All right, we got to wrap the show for this week. That's going to do it. The broadcast will be available on the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in, and remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And a quick reminder, today's show was brought to you by FanDuel. They have a great 
uh, deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire network. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.